Hey everyone, welcome to the Next Chapter Athletes podcast, where we dive deep into the stories and experiences of retired athletes. Join us as we explore the lessons that athletes learned from their playing days and how they are approaching life today. Get ready for some engaging conversations, insights, and stories that will allow you to peek into the lives of the general athlete. I choose to believe that our life is a story, and all of us deserve that chance to tell it. So, let's tune in together. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Emily, for joining me on here. So, Emily was a Division One basketball player in college, and she played at Boston University, uh, but before that was at Villanova for a few years. Mm-hmm. And with your background and your your history with identity transformation, I think a lot of people can relate to you uh, in terms of what it's like going from high level athlete, you know, for years and years and years to transitioning into who you are today. And that process is very difficult. So I'm excited to talk about that with you. And then I also talk about your brand empowerment and how you are working with athletes, empowering them to see who they are beyond just being an athlete. So before we get into that, though, do you mind just kind of giving a background of who you are and kind of what you, you know, your, what you do and, you know, where you see yourself going, going forward. Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, thank you for even having me on. Um, when I saw kind of like the stuff you were putting out on Instagram and stuff, I'm like, yep, yeah, wow, this really like aligns and feels very similar to certain things I've experienced. But in terms of background, yeah, I have always grown up. I mean, I have two older brothers, so like competition was inevitable in the household. I'm also the youngest. So then again, I'm trying to keep up with them. Um, Mm -hmm. and so ever since a young age, athletics was a big part of my life. And, you know, when you're young, you never really like think of it as that way. Like you never think it's dominating aspects of your life. You just think it's a fun part of your life. And, um, I ended up getting a scholarship. I was at Villanova for two years, ended up transferring to Boston university and then was there for three years, graduated, took a grad assistant year at Arizona. And I say all of that so fluently, yet like between each transition point was like, okay, hardship. And then comes change in humans, especially me. I'm not great with change. And I had, you know, like worked with and worked for four different coaches in my six years. So each one was drastically different. So you're learning a different technique or they want you to respond a different way. Um, And I say all that, like it was a character building experience because it definitely was. Um, But all of that and the struggles and the frustrations and even the good times and all the things I learned from those things um, led me into building a, a movement called empowerment. And it's like, okay, what can I, what can I do to give back? And how can I take my experience and take it in stride and pay it forward to those around me? Um, And like they always say, play for those who came before. And I always like to add on to the end and create for those to follow. So like give them more space, create more for them, give them more opportunity, but also give them more, give them the knowledge you wish you had. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I'm, coaching some high school teams. I'm teaching a little bit. I'm doing some mindset training. And then I'm hoping to get a couple certificates in life coaching and sports psych. So a long-winded answer of <laughs> where I've been and what I'm doing. No, no, that's great. So I, I really like where you talked about, you know, your focus on giving back to, you know, athletes and stuff. And then also, kind of making sure like you leave something better than you found it. Right. Yeah. And I think that is huge, especially with empowerment and, you know, your brand and everything. And then also kind of similar to me as well. That's kind of the whole point of this, this podcast here, right. Is to give back to those that, you know, were, you know, are after us. We mm-hmm. went through that process. We were athletes, you know, we know what that, what that's like. Uh, more than just, you know, the grind, like we're talking about the psychological, the mental aspects. And I think that there's a huge need for you, people like you, your brand, you know, your message. So I'm very excited to have you on here. 
Well, thank right. you. Yeah. So kind of going into the main uh, topic that I wanted to discuss with you, you, and by the way, for anyone interested, Emily on her website, which I'll include in the description of the podcast, has a website to her brand. And you can read up on Emily's story, her experience with transformation, identity change, and there's a lot to learn from that. But I have quite a few questions in terms of your experience with that. And at the very beginning of your identity process, right, you talked about your childhood and your attachment to basketball. And you even talked about, for example, that you wrote down as a young kid, I'm going to become an, an, a WNBA player. Mm -hmm. So what motivated your strong attachment to basketball at such a young age? You know, it's interesting. A lot of people will ask me, like, did your parents play? Were, you know, they big athletes and it, your your brothers, did they play? Like, was that where the, and it's like, no, no one in my family, like, my brother was a cyclist for school um, when he was in college, but like also drastically different sports, drastically different in recruiting, like all those things. No, I never had really anyone um, play basketball seriously, but I honestly think it's basketball is where I had the best mentorship and the best coaches. And I think that fostered like an extra love and care for the sport. Um, but at the same time, and I think whether I realized it or not, like I think athletics when I was younger in general, all sports I played, like I was so used to like keeping up with my brothers that I kind of had a knack for them. Um, and I had that competitive drive in nature. So I think that steered me towards sports in general, but what I didn't realize until much later on in my career, until probably like when I transferred from Villanova to BU, was I was so hyper fixated on athletics because I thought that's like, they say, don't put all your worth in it. I didn't realize I was putting all my worth in it. Like my whole idea was, well, I'm not great at, you know, academics, like in terms of, I always got decent grades, like good grades, but I had to work so hard for them. My middle brother is just gifted. I'm always like, yeah, he's the brains of the family. But for me, it's like, I'd have to sit at the dining room table and study for hours and hours to get something that he could just read once. And it's like, oh, he comprehends it. For me, I'm like, and I think too, we're, we're taught as athletes, right? You make up for your weaknesses in other areas. So my other area was athletic. So it's like, all right, I'm going to be the best basketball player I can be. And for whatever mindset, it was like, that's going to make up for the not being like an, an academic star. Um, and it was so interesting, like to just see how quickly that crumbles, right? Like it's, you're starting to do it for a different reason than what you initially got into it. Like initially I got into it, right? It's, I have these great coaches, people who are mentoring me and teaching me great life lessons. But it wasn't until like later on, like I said, that like when I sat there and I realized how much pressure I put on myself and how much pressure I put on my relationship with the game, as I was like, wow, honestly, at the end of my career, I became a shitty teammate and a not great person. And I always had to remind myself that the better version of myself or the best version of myself was on the other side of my playing days. And that was like a very hard realization to come to. But I think a lot of it stemmed from like, it started out as an innocent and, and great relationship with a sport I loved and turned into something of like, I have to make up for like my insecurities or my other weaknesses in life. Um, but I think that also that happens with a lot of things, whether people realize it or not. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very thoughtful answer there. And from what I could tell is there were multiple, it was like a multi-pronged situation, right? Like you had a lot of people in your corner as sort of like your your motivators, like your your mm -hmm. mentors. And you, I guess, kind of found like a source of of development through there. But then on top of that too, you also had a strong attachment to basketball because of the struggles that you had academically, right? Or like other um 
activities that you tried participating in. And I think a lot of athletes can relate to that, especially people that are like high achieving athletes. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much research there is on this, but from what I can tell so far from talking with other athletes that, yeah, like you and me and other people, very like goal oriented, high achieving focused people. But at the same time, when you put all your eggs in one basket, that kind of what leads to like that identity crisis, mm -hmm. right? Of going yeah. from who, you know, I am Emily, the basketball player to who am I now, right? Am I right. Emily dot, dot, dot. So I think, you know, you talked about, again, that sort of becoming like a burden, you know, on you. Mm -hmm. And with that said, how did basketball impact you as like a student within college? Because I know you talked about your academic struggles and experience with, with ADHD, right? Mm -hmm. So in terms of college, you know, the feeling of basketball being a burden, you know, how did that impact you? Well, and really quickly to go kind of back to a little bit of what you were saying before, I think too, right? There's a double-edged sword where like it gives you, your your sport gives you confidence, but at the same time, like mm -hmm. you're you're getting so much praise for that. And what you get praise for is what you want to promote, right? So I wasn't like, yes, I had great teachers as well who were great mentors and they like, would like I'd go in for extra help and stuff. But when it came to athletics, right, it's like I do all this work by myself and research the game and all this and that to then put on the show. And then it was like, okay, now I get praised. So that's what I'm going to promote myself as a basketball player. Um, mm -hmm. And then what was the, sorry, last question you just had? No, you're good. Yeah. Like in terms of basketball feeling like a burden, um, how did that impact oh, you as, college, as right? a student? Yeah. Uh huh. So yeah, when I was at Villanova, it was a completely different experience. I had, you know, you're not the top dog. You're with people mm -hmm. who everyone is just as good, if not better than you. Um, so that's tough, right? Because then it challenges, this is what you're holding this so steadfast that this is what I'm great at. This is where I excel in this sport. But now it's like, okay, now you're being compared not to like people in your state or people in your town, however you want to categorize it. You're being compared to like people who have been recruited just like you and have been in similar situations just like you to play at this level. And it's more business oriented, far more business oriented than what it was in high school. And at, when I was at Villanova, I remember I was always taking extra time on tests. Well, I went to, um, we always had to do study hall hours and stuff like that. So I went to our academic person and I was like, listen, I can't like focus. I'm struggling with, you know, getting my test done on time. She's like, okay, we have this person that like all our athletes go to, we can have you do a test, whatever. So I had talked to my mom about it and my mom's whole thing was, well, you're just not applying yourself. And she always knew like, I didn't do the, like, she saw the work I did for basketball. She's like, but that's like, you love it. Right. She goes, but you're not like, you're not putting that into academics. And that was her mindset of like, okay, you're just not applying yourself, which honestly, looking back is probably half the reason. But then I went and got tested and it's like, I had all these like learning disabilities and I'm not kidding. It wasn't until two, maybe three weeks ago, I had never looked at the the full report. All I saw was like the final, what they said. It was like ADHD, short-term memory problems or whatever. Um, so that I get like extra time on tests or note taking, whatever. But I never opened the full thing to see like what the breakdown was. And it wasn't, and I'm so glad I didn't because at that time I couldn't have handled it. But when I looked at every single thing, it said not sufficient in every single category except one. And now I look at it and I'm like, okay, I made it through at Villanova, decent academic institute. And I made it through and did very well at Boston University, which is a very good institu academic institution. And I'm so glad, like, right, I didn't hold on to that. And that's my mom's biggest thing is like, um, kind of like the limitations you fight for, the limitations you get to keep or what you fight for, you get to keep. But in terms of the relationship with basketball, it's like, I felt like nothing was going well at Villanova. I didn't want to go to my class and half the time I didn't go to my class. And 
but I just go to practice and it's like showing up in my freshman year, I'm red shirting and it's like, wow, I can't even perform in, in the classroom. And now I'm coming to basketball practice, which I'm supposed to enjoy, which is supposed to be what I'm good at X, Y, and Z. And I'm not even doing great in practice or if I am, it's like one day out of however many and I don't get to playing games. And that was like such a, such a frustrating scenario to be in freshman year, right? Like I'm, it's already changed being away from home and I didn't have the mental toughness and I didn't have the, the mindset training to be like, okay, Emily, nope, we just need to sit down and like, what do we have in front of us and what do we need so that we can step forward in a positive direction? which is not what I did until probably I got to Boston University. Yeah. And you you said at the very end of there that you didn't have the mental toughness for that. But I would argue, you know, now, today, that you definitely do. Uh, but second, um, that mental switch that you just had there, right, where it was like, this is the situation that I have, and you're kind of just going through it to – I want to change. I want to move forward. I want to be better, you know? And I think that that is a huge introspective shift and maturity that you exhibited. And I think that doing that sort of switch, that transition of mindsets is, isn't just as simple as like a, you know, flip of a switch. So what do you think helped you sort of see things a little differently? In terms of like hindsight or moving on in general. Yeah, like moving on in general. You know, I think it wasn't until I transferred to Boston University and now right like I the end of my playing career or the end of my second year at Villanova, I'm starting as a redshirt freshman. People often question why you leave you started as a redshirt freshman. This is great, biggie school, all this and that, right? And then I decided to transfer for multiple different reasons. My biggest thing is I didn't want to become a worse person while I was there. Mm. Um, And I don't know necessarily what inclined me, but like Coach Mo had been at UConn for nine years and was at Boston University. And I had always thought about like UConn. I'm like, oh my God, this is a perfect opportunity in terms of like just talking to her. And she obviously carried a lot of habits from UConn to BU and I'm like, this is perfect. This is as like close as I'm going to get to like learning from a great person, a great leader, a great coach, all this and that. And you could tell she just had a different, like a different approach in terms of she, if she wasn't a college coach, I'm pretty sure what she said, it was like something along the line of a family therapist. So she could read you before you even like walked in the door. <laughs> and, um, but then I put myself right back in that same position. So I just redshirted. I played a year. I'm starting at the end. It looks like all these things are going up, but it's not as it seems. I transfer. You transfer D1 to D1. You have to sit out a year. So then I'm sitting again. I'm applying for waivers, trying to like plead my case. Listen, this wasn't the best situation, X, Y, and Z. And uh, can I just get this waiver to play right away? Like my my grades were good at both, like at the end of my season here, and they're good right now at BU. Like I should be able to play. They declined it. We appealed it. They declined it again. And mind you, on top of all this, like when I was at Villanova, I never told my coaches about my like ADHD learning disabilities, which again, like even when I had to remember plays at Villanova, I'd always ask to go over plays again. And I remember one teammate be like, Emily, like, how don't you get it? We just went over it. And I'm like, but no, I just don't understand it in this position where I'd like to like work on a different spot. But it was that whole thing of like, I didn't have the confidence to be like, listen, I struggle and I I can't learn it through one time. So not only that, but when I transferred to BU and I have to tell my coach and that's like a vulnerable situation and athletes hate being vulnerable. Honestly, most people do. And so I'm like, listen, I have this and I need to get extra time and BU is a harder academic school than Villanova. So like, I'm really setting myself up for a challenge here. And I ended up having an injury with my knee. So then I'm sitting out of practices and I can't compete. And it's like all these things are starting to stack up. So now it's like Villanova at the beginning, 
but even harder. Now I have more, more things. And I remember just sitting there and it's like, she goes, you know, you can always come talk to me. And then she even said one day at practice, I said, I just feel bad because you didn't recruit me as I am now. You recruited me to like give something to this program. And I feel like I can't give a hundred percent right now. And her biggest thing was, Emily, I don't need you to get better physically so that you can come on this court and play. I need you to get better first mentally so that you can be there for yourself. And we're here to help you with that. But listen, if you have 40%, give 100% of that 40%. And that's what your best will look like that day. And she said that at a time that I'd never heard anything like that. And it completely flipped a switch for me where it's like, okay, well, it's true. Like I still, even if I'm not feeling great, I can give 100% of what I have today. And she allowed me to take practice off the rest of the week um, and just kind of focus on myself, focus on my academic studies. And it was the first time that someone had like in in a kind, like encouraging way, um, like was like, I think you should see one of our therapists that we have on campus. And the first reaction is like, no, I'm like, I really am fine. It's just a hard time. I'm going to get through it. And I just needed to like talk to you to get some things out, whatever. I ended up, she convinced me to go and, um, I talked to this guy and his biggest thing was, he was like, Emily, so like, what do you like to do? Didn't even talk about basketball. He goes, what do you like to do, um, in your free time? Like, what are some hobbies you have or, and I'm like sitting there thinking like, it's taking me so long that it's like, he's probably thinking, I think it's a trick question. And I'm like, well, I like the only thing I'm decent at is like basketball. And he like stops and puts his pen down. And he's like, I didn't ask you what you were good at. I asked you what your like hobbies are, things you like to do, things you enjoy doing. And I'm like, well, like I'd like to get like to photography or even like home design. Um, and I thought about like doing a boxing class and he goes, so those can be hobbies. Walking can be a hobby, like hiking can be a hobby. And I'm like, wow, I'm like, like you just overcomplicated. And he was like, and to think too, right? You weren't great at basketball when you first started. So you don't have to be great at all these other things that you are just starting. And again, it's another like, it sounds so simple and it sounds like, Oh, you could easily come up to it, come to this conclusion on your own. But I think when you, like I had such a narrow minded focus on what my life was and what I wanted it to be. I couldn't see all the, the, like the great things around me or the great things that had potential to grow. I was so hyper fixated on this one thing that it blocked out, as they say, like blocked so many blessings that have now, like I've started to allow to come into my life. Um, another long winded answer, but that's kind of like where I first started to see the switch of like, Oh, Hey, no, like I need to see myself as more like I have to force myself as more. I can't play. I can't practice. Like, who am I? What, like, what am I? Yeah. And by the way, it's totally cool if you give long winded answers, because (laughs) that's honestly perfect because you think about it, there's, it's not just one part of you. It's not just one issue or one factor that goes into your identity. It's multiple factors. Mm -hmm. And you talked about that sort of realization that your therapist helped you with, right? Like it's not so much, what am I good at? What, what can I contribute to, but rather what do I like? What do I enjoy? And I think that switch of what can I give to others rather you know, what can I give to myself? And Mm -hmm. I kind of had that realization later on too, where it's like, you know, I'm trying to meet everyone else's standards, right? You know, like our team standards, our coaches standards, our team goals. But at the same time, I never thought, was I meeting mine? Was I meeting my goals of me? What do I envision of myself? And Mm -hmm. the problem with that is we attach our goals, our goals for ourselves to others' standards and objectives. And once you lose your sport, it's like, oh, you know, what do I, what do I want for me? Who do I want to be? And that are the, those are the, like the tough questions that a lot yeah. of athletes when they retire have to answer. But 
there was a few components to your answer that I want to touch on. And the first being the ADHD component, because I myself was diagnosed ADHD after I retired. And I didn't know that I had ADHD until like last year. And I didn't realize how tough that is because, you know, uh, based on, you know, stigmas, things like that, we believe, oh, it's only just academics. Like, you, you know, these issues only transcend into your academic performance. But people don't necessarily realize, though, that it also impacts you as a player, right? Impacts you um, in your, your general life. So what are some mechanisms or some systems or tools that you use today to help you sort of manage ADHD and your other learning disabilities? Yeah, no, I have to be, <clears throat> which honestly, it's a, it's a like blessing in dis- disguise because I have to now like be more intentional with everything I do. So like <clears throat> my daily routine is not just like a suggestion. No, this is what I, I myself need to do. Like I need to have a routine. So like I have a whiteboard right next to my desk and I write down my week and it's like these are, and I make a little checkbox and this is everything that I need to do. And then, okay, I'll write at the end here, are like extra things that I could do. And that like, if I have any free time, I need to do this. I need to research this. I need to like go run this errand, but it's very like, no, I must check these boxes off. And it also gives me like, it gives me a point where I can give myself grace and give myself credit because when I look at my whiteboard, it's completely filled. And every day, like I'll erase all the things, like I'll erase the it day by day. And then I like, I look at it and it's empty and I have to remind myself, like I did all those things. And granted, like some of them are like simple. It's like, okay, I need to bring these hoodies that I need, like screen printed I need to bring these here or I need to just work out or I need to do this or that. But again, it's like, no, you have to give yourself for grace and credit for accomplishing those. And then you can start adding more to your plate as you go. But even like sometimes like I have to, I can't just be someone who puts notes in my phone. Mm -hmm. I have to do like a two-step process. So I have to, as soon as I hear something or even like I think in, in phrases and quotes, I'm like, I have to write that down. I have to carry that piece of paper around with me. It's like this. I write everything down, carry that piece of paper around with me. And then I have to plug it into my notes app on my phone so I can have it two places. But it's like the process again, of like they always say writing it hard copy and then transferring it. Like those are a couple like simple things that I do, but I just noticed like really be, like being intentional and setting up your day and having goals and having checklists and even like breaking my year into four quarters. And it's like, okay, what are the big goals that I want to have accomplished by the end of this? And it just gives you something to focus on as opposed to like, right. You're not plugging in a goal. You're not plugging in a destination. Okay. You don't, then you don't know where you're going or how to get there. Yeah. And I like how you said at the beginning, it's your intentionality, right? Like you're being intentional with your, your systems. And I know that with ADHD, in my experience, like you can split yourself up into so many different systems and you kind of get into this this cycle of, you know, not really doing anything other than just kind of like planning or whatever. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some tactics just don't work, but in your experience, how long did it take you for, for you to sort of kind of get a good foundation? Honestly, I would say probably towards the end of grad school, like mm-hmm. last year. And then honestly, when I came home um, and I got this whiteboard, I like I was intentional about getting it. And for me too, right? It's like, there are people who have all these different suggestions. Oh, try this and try this. And it's like, I think it's a little bit of ADHD. Like I want to try yeah. all of them. Like, I'm going to, you know, figure it out all out at once and see which one fits me best when it's like, all right, easy now, easy now. Because mm-hmm. first of all, if you think you're going to do all of them, you're not going to do one of them. And so for, for me, right. It was like, Emily, you like, keep it simple for you, especially to start out. And I'm like, okay, what's simpler than, or more simple than having a whiteboard and just writing your week down. And again, it's not like one of those ones that it has like the the days or the month on the calendar. It's a blank whiteboard so I can make it as I need it. And again, I think it's just too, like a lot of visual stuff for me 
having it there and waking up every morning. It's like, all right, what do I have today? What do I need to, what do I need to for sure get done today? And then what could I possibly do if I have any extra time to focus on? Um, but again, I think like, I just figured that out and it's after my playing days. Mm-hmm. I wish I had something like in place. Granted, we had so many schedules and be here at this time. So it's like your time is kind of regimented for you. But I think it it was harder post playing days when you like, what do I even do with my time? Because it's like, I don't have to work out if I don't want to work out, but I could work out if I want to put it on there. And it's like, yeah, so many different things run through your mind. I'm like, okay, keep it simple. Let's add certain things to the list that you know you can accomplish every day. Yeah. And you honestly brought up a good kind of a good transition there talking about exercise, right? And from what I understand too, is that getting a new relationship with exercise and working out is, is very difficult because when you're an athlete, at least for me, right, it was very much, what can I do to become better? What do I need to do in the weight room or in the field or whatever to become a better athlete for my team and help me reach, you know, my goals to be the best player in the league or whatever. But when you're done, right, you don't really have those goals anymore. So with you, what is your relationship with, with exercise today? It's so interesting that you ask this now because I I talk with my trainer, like I still have a trainer that I go to in this gym that I love going to. But when I was in Arizona, like my first thought is, right, I'm not playing. I'm just there as a GA, so a graduate assistant. And I'm like, oh, I like, it's not like I'm on the team. I don't have to work out and do X, Y, and Z. But like, oh, I have access to this this gym, I'm going to go every day and I'm going to do the workouts that I want, not that I need to. And it's not about like maintaining or when you're in season, no, I get to do my own workouts. Like that's what's going through my mind. Worked out like three times, felt the worst I had felt in a very long time. And I'm like, okay, a lot of it stems from that, but it was also like the cyclical thing where it's, Oh my God. Like I'm so tired. I had met, I had grad classes five to 10 on Mondays and then class uh, Wednesdays. And then you'd have to do internships. And then I'm like at practice and in the office all day and I'm tired. And I'm like, so I don't want to work out, but I'm like, I know working out would make me like feel a little bit better. Fast forward, I get home and I have this, I literally had this goal. I'm like, okay, I need to get back in shape. And I'm not like, it was a very broad statement, right? Like I'm not having these like specific goals. Like I need to get this weight. That wasn't what I wanted. So I went back to the same gym I had always gone to. And the first couple of days, it's like, it is hard. And I'm like, thank God that I had a trainer who he knew kind of like the, I was in the transition period. He knew who I was, all this and that. So I already had workouts, right? I think that's the hardest part is if you don't have someone to like help you create a workout but the other part was right you said it earlier but like I wasn't working out to have a better performance on the court I wasn't working out to like improve my jump shot or to be a better rebounder or to be quicker so I could guard a faster person and it was like and I and I too my like my grandmother would always it was like my Christmas gift my birthday gift pay for my gym membership. That's all I wanted. And I was like, Hey Graham, can we still continue to do that? And her question was, but Em, you aren't playing basket basketball anymore. Do you like, do you think you still need it? And it like flipped a switch in my head of like, no, I actually need it more than I've ever needed it. Cause I'm not preparing for a basketball game. I'm like, and I say it to my trainer and we'll always go back and forth about it, but I'm like, I'm, I'm honestly preparing for the game of life every single day. Like it's become part of my regimen. No, every day I show up and I, I make it digestible for myself in the sense of like, even if there's a day I don't want to work out, that's the day I have to go work out. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just watch all these videos and like the art of showing up. And this guy was like, I had a client and, you know, I have this two minute rule and he would show, show up to the gym for five minutes every day. That was his thing. He had to go for at least five minutes. He'd do like half an exercise and leave. And he was like, most people think that's crazy, but what people don't understand is they think, right. They, you said this earlier, get caught up in the planning stage. Oh, I need the perfect 
plan and I need the nutrition and I need all this and that. When it's really like, you just have to show up first to even be in the race because you can't enhance a habit. Like you can't enhance a habit if you don't have a habit of doing it. And so that was very much like my mindset of like, even if I don't want to go to the gym, I have to understand, like, it's not even about performance. It's better for my health. Like the idea of doing something that's like better for me, um, I think is a tough thing. And the other part of it too, is like, there's not a direct correlation, right? Like I'm not doing an athletic performance every single day to prove that like I'm working out or to show people I'm working out or whatever it may be. But I think, yeah, that was a very tough like relationship to navigate at first, but it's like, no, it's actually more important for me now than it's ever been. And I like, you have that mental switch and it's like, it, it starts to become fun. Now you don't have to do it. You get to do it. Yeah. I, I love that perspective that you just threw out there, right? Like it's, it's not so much on, you know, what do I need to do for other, you know, to reach certain other goals or whatever, but it's like your life you're talking about now. Yeah. Like you're talking about, this isn't just by five to six, how many years of playing, this is 40 years plus more of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you talked about, I have to do it. Now it's, I want to do it. Yeah. And like you said, right? Like we don't have to make it complicated. I think with the way that our brains function, right? Especially a lot of athletes is they want to make things at the over top. They want to make things very, very complex because that's how it felt to them when they were an athlete, like in terms of the workouts, the nutrition, everything felt very complex. And it felt like you were working towards something that was very difficult, which was like rewarding. But at the same time though, right? We're no longer athletes. Now it's in our hands. So in terms of, you know, athletes that are retiring, they're no longer playing anymore. What is your advice to them in terms of figuring out how to sort of switch over mindsets from going, I have to do it to I get to do it. I mean, I think it's, it's so much easier said than done, right? Like I tell you the process and it's like, okay, but you didn't see the days that like I'm sitting here and I'm like working on something and I'm like, I do not want to go to the gym. Um, but it really is like having this internal dialogue with yourself of like giving yourself like the space to be like, okay, listen, I really don't want to do it, but I know I can do it. And then once you start doing it, even on the days you don't really want to, like when I'm going to the gym and I know I don't want to, I'm thinking of how good I'm going to feel afterwards because I've never not felt great after I've worked out. Like there is a direct like relation with that. And so in my mind, it's like that, that becomes my reward. I can't wait to feel great after my workout, even in the moment. Like, right. I think it's tough. There's this idea of delayed gratification, which people struggle with all the time, but it's like, I'm not, I may not enjoy it in the moment, but I know I'm going to enjoy it afterwards. I think if you can get kind of into that mindset or at least start there and like, just even if it's, you don't want to go to the gym and you get in the car and you start driving. And then you're like, there's no point to turn around. So I might as well go. Right. It's, it's not like you necessarily have to enjoy the process, but like even watching certain videos of like, to show when you do certain things that are good for you, when you don't want to, like how good it is actually for your brain, like it's performing discipline and self-care and all these different things. And sure, there are days where you need to listen to your body and it's like, Hey, you're really not feeling well, but like, when I saw, I saw this video and I I can send it to you after that just was another mind opening thing. And now I get excited. Like, I'm like, I kind of hope I don't want to go to the gym tomorrow so that I can have that much more of a reward. Like I know it's going to be good for my body and for my brain. Um, but I would say, yeah, start like small, just get in the car and start driving to the gym. And then again, if, if that's not what you want to do, you're going to be like, all right, well, there's no really point to turn around. I don't want to waste gas and whatever else. So that's the kind of position I put myself in. Yeah, totally. And I, I really, I really think the the way that you described it was it's it's switching your perspective. I'm focusing on like the little the little things about the exercise and and doing it right. Like it is a challenge, and you have to see it that way in order to feel motivated to do it. Like in the sense of 
now you know you are in control of your habits right and because of that it's very difficult to get started but like you said start simple start small you don't have to go to a, you know an olympic gym and start olympic lifting and doing all these crazy things right you can literally just start simple and start small such as maybe going on the treadmill or something and then yeah. you know it's like kind of building up that confidence again and then noticing some of the lessons uh poking through such as like you said discipline um you know pushing through something that you know that you didn't want to do at the beginning but then feeling that gratification afterwards and that in a way becomes a cycle and that's when the habit starts building up mm -hmm. and you start reforming your relationship with working out and i think that those are some great points that you just made there and a lot of athletes that are about to retire could really utilize that um now at the very towards like the beginning of our discussion you talked about in a way basketball almost like being a source of validation right mm -hmm. so for you what helped you sort of switch mindsets again from going you know i need to do all these things to make people you know show pride in me and be happy with me but now it's like you're saying i'm proud of me i am who i am i'm who i want to be what helped you switch focuses from what people want for me versus what i want for myself i think going through the hard times that i went through um like one going to college that freshman year then transferring and understanding people are gonna have their perspectives or even at the very end when i i quit the team with a month left at bu and i know people look at that in a certain way and even my dad sent me a text at like five in the morning he's like you start where you finish you need to be a good teammate x y and i'm like i get that and i absolutely hear it but i have like i'm actually becoming like this is me being a better teammate and a better person by quitting and leaving this environment it's not what i stand for it's not what i want to be a part of all this and that um and when i like honestly when i started using my voice not right you said like we always do the team standards and we do this and we do that and there's absolutely a place for that you need to right it's to build team camaraderie and have everyone be on the same page but i think sometimes it can get twisted and i think a lot of athletes tend to go on autopilot so yeah you're told what to say where to be when to be there how to dress right what travel gear we're wearing where we're showing up at what time like all these different things are curated for you and you don't have a second thought about it right like no i'm on the team this is what i want to do if i want to play i have to be there i have to show up and that's what started giving me my confidence back i think is like respectfully speaking my piece and like no i've always known what i valued and what my morals and ethics were and where they stood and i think once you, that's why i'm like so big on developing like people before developing athletes, right? Like you want them to be strong in who they are. Like be you, but be a part of us, right? Like there's a whole thing. Like I want the individual and the unique characteristics you have. That's why we recruited you X, Y, and Z. But I think it's huge when you can speak from a confident place because you know what you stand for and you know who you are. And I think I had lost sight of that a little bit and had thrown myself on autopilot and, you know, in other words, like going through the motions, but at the same time, I always, and I always say this line, like people will always be like, Oh, you're Emily, like Esposito, you're the basketball player. Right. And I'm like, yeah. And in my head, I get so mad about that. Yeah. Like I'm the basketball player, but I'm also like, I'm also so much more like I'm a person and whatever else, but I had to remind myself, like, Emily, like I said this earlier, you, you promote what you get praised for. Right. So that's what then I was showing. I only, I was only confident showing them at Emily, the basketball player. I wasn't confident showing them Emily, like the student. I wasn't confident showing them Emily, the photographer, even if it was a hobby or Emily, this or that. I was in a beginning stage and I wasn't confident at showing them that. But I think too, fast forward, like you get in a point where you have no other choice. Like you got, you're in a space where you have, you have to figure out who you are. You have to learn to speak up for yourself. You have to learn like what it means to truly like, it can't just be a cliche. Use your voice. What does that mean? And so I think 
that's where I started to really gain some of my confidence um, and be like, no, this, like, this is who I am. I'm not, I, I play basketball and this is a part and this is like a side hustle is the basketball. But like now I'm sitting here and I can tell you who I am. I'm not like, oh, I'm Emily. I play for X, Y, and Z, or I play for Boston University and I'm number 23, right? Like how we always introduce ourselves as an athlete. No, I'm Emily from Gorham. This is what I do. Here's what I like, what I stand for. Um, and I kind of think, again, it's it's how you introduce yourself. Yeah, totally. And kind of quoting Drake here, it's like you stood on business, right? You know, like you were kind of backed into a corner, you know, mm-hmm. and you had to, you had to fight through that. It was a sink or swim moment. It was either like you stay in the position that you are, or you f- do the work to figure out who you are and figure out what you stand for, your values, your standards. Mm-hmm. And I had that same issue too, where it was like, I was done, I graduated, but what did I, what did I value? What did I believe in? Everything was sort of tailored towards you know, the team standards, team goals, you know, what people in my corner were telling me to believe in and things like that. But when you don't have that anymore, it's like, I need to do it myself now. I need to set the foundation. And I think that people need to understand that it's not going to be a painless, you know, quick, easy process. It's going to be difficult. It's you're going to have times where maybe you take, you know, two steps forward, five steps back. But with you now, right? You talked about Emily Esposito, the basketball player, but you're no longer, you know, a basketball player now. So, with that said, who do you see yourself as today? Who I see myself as is like I I know my worth. I know where I stand. I'm like mm-hmm. from a small hometown that values like connections and and community, and that. So those are things that I stand for who I want to be is like those coaches I had when I was younger, a mentor, a role model, like an inspiration. That's who I want to be for other people. Like, I think it's almost like the process where like paying it back is like the pain has to have purpose for it to be worth it. Mm -hmm. So like that, that's the whole thing of like, okay, now I'm sharing my story. I'm sharing like at one point I thought like, okay, having ADHD is embarrassing. We're having all these learning disabilities are embarrassing. Now it's like, all right, well, I need them to be worth it. So I'm going to give them purpose. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share my story or I'm going to relate to kids. I'm going to train and mentor kids. And you know what, maybe they struggle with the same thing. And, and to your point, I can tell them the techniques I use or I can research things that would work better for them. I think like there's so much purpose found in that, um, that honestly, I think that's why a lot of athletes are, are good at giving back, right? They want to, okay, yeah, I did this one thing, but I want to have like meaningful purpose, not just like winning a game. I want to like create change and have meaningful purpose. And I think that's kind of where I hope to trend and, and keep going towards. That's, that's a perfect, honestly, that's such a great answer because I would say, you know, next, next kind of topic here is, is that what inspired you to start empowerment? Yeah, very much so. It was, you know, and it was, and it was in the midst of it, right? So you're not really, it's not like you're in hindsight is 2020. It's like figuring out as you go. And I think honestly, that's what made it a little more real and a little better was because no, I, I'm processing it while I'm in the thick of it. It's not like I'm reflecting on it. I'm still like, I'm currently going through it. Um, I remember we had to write a, like a couple blogs for our communications class and I'm sitting there and as always, right? Like, I'm, what am I going to write about athletics? But it took, it was such a different, different perspective and a different connotation with athletics. It wasn't just like the big game that we're about to play. It was, um, it was more so like, okay, what, what am I feeling about athletics? What am I going through off the court mentally? What am, what am I dealing with? Why isn't this relationship between me and basketball working out like it used to? So I think when I started to like write about that, I gave it to one of my teammates, had her read it more for grammar purposes. And she's like, Emily, like, I think this could actually like help people. And that's when I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, no, like, 
like sharing your story and like people can relate to it and maybe like they have questions or what. And then I just, that summer, I remember like this place I was working at and I, no customers were in there. I'd literally just be creating the website. And then I was like, okay. And like athletes always think, right. How, how can we make it bigger and better and more grand? And it was like, okay, I'm not going to just make blogs. I'm going to, I want to have um, athlete like testimonials. I want to have like a board, a website. I want to do training and mentoring. And then I had to realize, Emily, listen, like take a step back. It is just you girl. We're not, this isn't like the president running the show or something. Um, but again, it was like, my, and it was so funny because my mom, I remember like talking to her about certain things and in relation to empowerment. And she was like, Emily, like, I haven't heard you talk with that, like much passion in a long time. And it, you know, when you say like, they think you, like, you think you found your calling or you think it fits and it works. I'm like, that is such like, you don't actually know. You just like step into something you're good with and you think it's your calling, whatever. And it's like, you feel such a sense of, like, I don't know what else to call it of purpose, right? Like a purpose of giving back the purpose of hopefully helping others. Um, and I always like give so much credit to my mom, who's an ICU nurse. Right. And like, I want, I've always dreamt of being able to give back in the way she does. And like her, hers is such a direct relation of like, she takes care of a patient. Like she literally saves lives. And I'm like, okay, I know I don't like have that skill to be an ICU nurse, but like, okay, what skills and gifts do I have that like I could do something that like I truly feel like I'm changing someone's life. And I think that's just kind of with what people have said and and where it started to take me, that's definitely what led me on that path to create empowerment. Wow, that, wow. I mean, that was that was actually very moving. I'm not gonna lie because- it's it's so true. Like like you said, athletes when they when they're done, they a lot of them want to give back, and mm -hmm. I think that is how you're using empowerment. Is it's not just a way to you know not only spread awareness of some of these issues, you know, but also to create a community, right? Mm -hmm. Create a community of of athletes that can relate, but also find almost like a like a home, a home of of people that understand what they're going through and and what that that transition process is like and also you know to know that they're not alone they're not alone during this yeah. process and with these feelings so with that said um in terms of working with athletes right like what do you i know you talked about giving back and then also you know inspiring others but what do you enjoy most about working with athletes directly i think probably like showing them how much more they are showing them like your worth isn't dependent on your performance like you really you're and i had this like slogan i think i put simply i'm like worth never wavers your worth never wavers you make a bad decision your worth doesn't waver you don't make a shot and then your worth doesn't waver like you just have to find like right find certain things that you value and like learn who you are a little bit more every day. And I think I just like aid in that process. I lend a hand and especially right now with like helping high schoolers, um, like right there in such an impressionable stage in their life. Like I like just seeing them, like you can almost see them sit back. I'll ask them certain questions and like it's almost like like a light switch goes on and they'll see something a little bit differently. Or I like even seeing when I'm like, all right, here's what I want you. I want you to write down um, your values. I want you to write down your hobbies and I want you to write down like things you want to work on. And to see, and I said, and they can't be your sport. And to see it is like the end of the world to them. So now th they're stuck there and I'm like, all right, do we need some examples? They're like, yeah, could you give me some? And I'm like, all right, I'm going to give you two. And I need you to make, give me a list of five. And it really is, is like pushing them outside the box, but it's not like, okay, um, you're not a great three point shooter. So we're going to not, we're going to stop with mid range and we're going to work on the three. It's like something that is so tangible that they could like, they can take this into their everyday life. Like once you know what you value, yes, those things can change, but at least you have an awareness of it. And I love seeing, like, I just love seeing people figure out who they are. Because when you like, 
it's so cool to learn yourself. And I don't think we put enough emphasis on it. Like we're so worried about what other people think about us and, and what other people are doing. Right. And like, that's a lot of what social media promotes, but like, it is, it is like a, a treasure to be able to watch someone like consistently, especially if it's like a client I work with, um, regularly to see the growth they make. I'm like, this is gift enough. Like this in a selfish way, I'm like, this is giving so much to me more like sometimes I think more than it is to them, but to see people like start to reach their potential more so in life rather than just like our academics or our athletics. I think there's so much more to be said for that. Yeah. And I think you said it best, right? It's, it's, you challenged your, your athletes to see more than just the moment, right? Like you, you challenge mm-hmm. them to see the bigger see picture the- more than just what they do on the court. It's about who they are and what they value. And I really like how you're focusing on the high school athletes, first of all, because I think that's really where sort of the identity starts solidifying, mm-hmm. right? As an athlete, and it carries over into college and then maybe professional and then until the end of the career. But high school to college is such a pivotal point, right? Such a pivotal point in life. And I really like that you're focusing on that. But at the same time, though, for anyone out there that is looking for a community and some sense of, you know, of belonging, you know, you yourself, empowerment is the place to be for sure. Because there's not only people that understand like you, that understand what that transition is like, but also understand that what kind of questions to ask, what kind of activities to do to start really thinking. And it, you said it, right? Like we don't emphasize enough how important it is to ask ourselves these mm-hmm. questions, to learn ourselves. But when we have no other choice but to do that, that's whenever we start sort of the light bulb starts going off and we're like, oh, you know, I value, um, you know, family or I value um, strong mm-hmm. connections, right? And that's when you start sort of, you know, quote unquote, standing yeah. on business and you start, you know, realizing, you know, this is, I don't like the situation I'm in. I want to find something that tailors more to who I am yeah. as a person. So I love that. And I love what empowerment stands for. I love what you stand for. And kind of a big piece of this too, right? Especially for athletes that are leaving their sport, you have 40, 50 plus years of figuring out, you know, what am I going to do now? So you talked about your purpose in terms of wanting to give back, wanting to inspire others, wanting to help them discover themselves. But in terms of finding your next career, your next step, your next chapter, what helped you sort of realize that empowerment was what you wanted to do besides, I guess, the, you know, yeah. your passion, your purpose? Well, I think like I've tried certain things like I in the summer between, you know, seasons, I've had certain jobs and, you know, I've tried different things or I've talked to people and done certain interviews and one of my biggest things, I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't just sit at that desk like nine to five, right? And it's, it's about like trial and error, right? Figuring things out. I think I like posted a quote about like, okay, mistakes give you experience, experience gives you knowledge, like, and knowledge helps you with success. So it's all part of the process, like, right? You have to make mistakes. You have to have this trial and error season in your life multiple times for you to figure out what works for you or what you enjoy. And so many things are like, yeah, I wanted to be a college coach. And and maybe at some point I'll do that because I, I like connecting again with athletes. But at the same time, like for right now, I think, you know, this is, this is what works best for me. Like I've always wanted to be like a life coach or a sports psychologist. And I'm like, I said this earlier, but it's kind of like what I like to do and how I approach it very like relationship based it's all wrapped into one. And, and you know what, like the whole thing of like, Oh, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Like cliche, but like when I work with these athletes, the time goes by so quick that I'm like, wow, I really, like, I, I really do enjoy this, like for myself. Right. It's not like something like, like I'm just like grindfully getting through. And I think to remind, like, you don't like, I never just want to go back in this, in this motion where I'm on autopilot. 
again, it's like, it forces me when I'm like in these meetings with these kids, I can't show up like empty. I have to like, I, I have to be giving to, it forces me. I have to give to myself. I have to research things or I should say, I get to research things that I enjoy and I get to present it to them in a light that is like digestible and articulated in a way that like works well with what situation, whatever situation they're going through. Um, but I think when you can find those sort of like correlations where it's like not only a job that you enjoy and that you've always kind of wanted to do and it wraps a lot of things in one, that was like a check on the list. But at the same time, it's giving back. Okay, that's another one. And then on top of that, like it's holding me accountable. I have to show up and be prepared. I like that aspect. Like it's still, it's not like I like it because it's easy or I like it because it's fun. No, it's still like, presents a challenge for me. No, I have to show up. I can't, I can't repeat this thing 12 times and expect them to get better. No, I need to give them different information to build on. So I think there's a lot of ways and a lot of things to look at, but at the same time, it's, it's definitely not easy. It's not like I just like graduated and it was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Like to be quite honest, like I'm mentoring and I'm training kids and I'm substitute teaching and I'm like working on building empowerment. So it's not like this pretty picture. Like it's every other day is chaos and there's not necessarily a structure to it, but like it start like I'm starting to make it work. So again, it's like, if, if it's something you want, then go after it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like finding, finding the beauty in the chaos, right? Kind of, everything is moving so fast around us. It's the way that my coach described it, especially in college was like, when you're on the field, everything moves so fast in your mm -hmm. face, but you kind of get into a point where everything starts slowing down and you kind of get into a groove and everything starts becoming a little more digestible. And I think there were like two main points out of your answer that I can take that I think athletes would find very useful. One is that finding your sort of next chapter, right? Your next career isn't going to be something that just comes your way. It's going to take work. You're going to have to make mistakes, like you said, and you're going to have to just accept that it's going to be a learning process and you may fail, you may struggle. And, you know, I did the same thing. I went through, I tried so many different career routes, so many different jobs, so many different ideas, and ultimately kind of ended up here doing this. And this is what I really enjoy doing. But at the same time, you know, at this, there's also the component of figuring out what meets your expectations, right? In terms of growth, in terms of learning, in terms of challenge. And that's kind of what you have in your system today with empowerment, with coaching, with um, also, like you said, substitute teaching, things like that, where you're sort of getting all of the components that you're looking for but through different avenues, which I think that is very useful for athletes to know, because you don't just have to take some some job in corporate or whatever, and then do that. Now, if you want to, that's that's great. Do what you want to do. But at the same time, that doesn't just have to be the one solo right. route. You can have many different things and you can make yourself into whoever you want to be. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. Um, now, I know we're at the one hour mark, but before we conclude, there's just one final question okay. for you. So what piece of advice would you give to athletes that are struggling right now at this moment to see who they are beyond their sport? Wow. Loaded. How can I make it concise? Um, <laughs> I would say something like that you could do today if you're struggling is like take time away from your arena, wherever you practice off campus, just on a, or on a nice day, go for a walk and really like challenge yourself to be present because it's going to force you out of your narrow-minded thinking and into big picture thoughts. And I just like have some internal conversation with yourself, like, like answer some of those questions that I presented earlier. Like, what do I value? What do I say? Am I going on autopilot? Because I don't want to have to process everything after I go through, like, I want to be able to like in a healthy way process as I go and not have to reflect and deal with all this, whether it's trauma or frustration or regret or whatever the case may be. I don't want to have to deal with this as I'm like 
in a, a big transition point in my life. I want to have done a healthy thing and process it as I go. So I think force yourself to get off autopilot, just go for a walk on a nice day, really be present and just start having like internal conversation with yourself. Um, and a lot of times like you can be like your own, and I'm not saying this is like a substitute, but you can really be your own therapist. Like there are some times where like, if you're honest enough with yourself, you're going to come to the conclusion and figure certain things out. Um, so I think that honestly is like the quickest, simplest answer I would say. Um, and maybe those questions or maybe those answers lead you to other questions or, uh, different answers or whatever, but like, give it a try and, and it's not going to hurt you. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that That's so true. It's, it's, Two things out of that, right? Force yourself to get out of mm -hmm. autopilot. Stop going through the motions. Stop going through the daily grind. I mean, obviously, you know, you got to do what you got to do for your right. sport, your classes, whatever it is. But at the same time, you're, you yourself are a priority. Mm -hmm. And you need to prioritize yourself. Take that time off. Go out into, I don't know, whatever you feel like you can kind of get more in touch with yourself, right? Like you said, whether that's taking a walk going out into nature or whatever it is and having that honest conversation with yourself. Because once you start becoming more honest with you, that's whenever you start taking some of the lessons you've learned from your sport and then putting it into, into practice in your life. And you start figuring out who you really are. Yeah. So I think you, I think you have a really just strong foundation, just amazing insights and I think that with empowerment and your brand and what you're doing, you're going to do a lot of great things and help a lot of people see who they are. Well, I so I appreciate you and your work. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise. Definitely. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, Emily, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for joining me. And again, everyone, I'm going to include Emily's empowerment brand uh, website and socials within the description of this podcast. So if you're interested in getting in touch with Emily or learning more about empowerment, go ahead and hit the, hit the links. So with that said, have a good one. Thank you. Hi everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the next chapter athletes podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to leave a review. Your support helps us continue having these meaningful conversations with former athletes and experts within the sports field. Stay tuned for more insightful content. And until next time, just keep writing your story.